I don't know about you, but I'm glad that that's finally over. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the uh, last week uh, of our Wiser series, and so uh, we're grateful that it's come to an end for them. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're here at the JAR today, and I just want to wish all of you an early Thanksgiving, and uh, hope you enjoy uh, some time with your family, just like uh, I will as uh, also. And in a couple of weeks, uh, we're actually going to start a new series for Christmas called Weird Christmas. Anybody have a weird Christmas sweater, like an ugly sweater? Okay. Only a few of you are admitting that right now. Um, but I've seen some that walk in here on Sundays, and it's bad. So uh, don't bring those. But Christmas can be kind of weird, you know, and family comes and they get together and things are just a little bit weird and relatives who are weird come and I want to help you navigate through that weirdness of Christmas and so I hope you'll be there. I'm really excited about this series. I can tell many of you are as well, Um, so... Oh, one whistle. There we go. Yeah. The birth of Christ. Woo. Yeah, let's go. Now, I don't need your pity. Just, uh, you know, just keep it there. So, hey, let's uh, open with some prayer and we'll get started. Well, God, this is our final teaching of our Wiser series. And whether people are here for the very first time, God, or they have uh, been here for every single teaching during this series, we all need to get wiser today and God specifically when it comes to our friendships and so I pray right now God through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and you would change lives in this place today that people would recognize today that there really is one who sticks closer than a brother and I pray this in Jesus name amen All right, well, this morning, our proverb that we're going to look at is Proverbs 18.24, and uh, I'll read it for us, but you can uh, look at it on the side screens. It says this, a person with many companions may come to ruin. Now, hang on with me there, okay? A person with many companions may come to ruin. Well, what does that mean? Like, how does that actually happen, and how could that be? But there is a friend, folks, that sticks closer than a brother. First question I want to ask you this morning is this. If you were to die tonight, I'm not asking that anyone dies, okay? Don't freak out. Some of you are freaking out. I'm not, I'm not a prophet either, so I'm not predicting anyone's death, okay? But if you were to die tonight... How many friends would come to your funeral in just a few days? Now, I'm not talking about family, because family's supposed to come, right? I mean, it's like a contractual obligation. I remember my parents one time uh, asking me, you've got to go to Aunt so-and-so's funeral. I didn't want to go, but if you're family, you've got to go, right? So I'm not talking about family. I'm talking about people that are your friends. And so, beyond your family, how many friends 
do you think you're close enough to that they would come to your funeral? Do you have a number in mind? Well, if you would, share it with the person beside you real quick, okay? Uh, What number do you think, okay? I bet you've never had that in church before, have you, huh? People are like, I don't want to give a number, you know? Some of you are like, a thousand! No, you're a liar. That's what you are, you know? Not a thousand people going to go see you. Um, there wasn't a thousand people for Jesus, right? I mean, think about that. All right. The first church that I ever pastored was in rural Indiana where there was more hogs than people. And... Uh, In the first year, the average age of the church was 70. And so in that first year, I had 24 funerals. Okay? So I averaged two a month. Like when they would introduce me, they would go, here is Pastor Burying Bunch. You know? Because that's what I did. I buried people. That's what my goal was, I guess, at that point. Um, Now, one of the things I had to ask families that was really difficult was I would have to go to them and I'd have to ask them, how many people do you think are going to come to the funeral of your your dad, of of your husband? And the reason I had to do that is because it was a small little town, kind of like Mayberry, and the tradition was that the church provided a dinner for the family. And so I'd have to go and I'd say to the wife and the kids, hey, how many, how many people were your, was your, was your father friends to? How many, how many friends did he have? How many can we expect coming to the funeral? And people undoubtedly would go, oh man, my dad was an extrovert. He was a salesman. I mean, he knew all kinds of people. He, uh, you know, worked at a place where I'm sure all of his business buddies are going to go. He was in a golf league and there was Tons of golfing friends that are going to go. And he has all of his high school friends and his college friends are going to come. And several neighbors from the neighborhood, I know they're going to be there. And he taught and he coached Little League for 25 years. So I know that all of those kids probably are going to come too. And, you know, actually when I come down to it, I think there's probably going to be about 200 people that are going to be at the funeral. Maybe even more. And so I'd take this number to the ladies of the church who were preparing the meal, and I'd say, hey, this is how many? And they're like, oh, okay. And that first year, I would just give whatever number the family gave me. But then when the actual funeral came, there'd be maybe 30 people. And most of them were family. Then you go to the graveside, and you know it gets less than that. And then eventually you get to the dinner, and they have food for like 200 people. But there's only maybe 20, and families would come up and they'd go, Chris, where are our friends? Like, where are our friends at? Why didn't they show up? He had all of these friends. And 30 people showed up. And sometimes, folks, you know what? The biggest grieving of experiences like that is that moment 
And it's really not the moment of the fact that they lost a loved one. It's the fact that there was no one that came. One of the best things about not having a church building is that I don't have to ask that question. Because every funeral I do is somewhere else. I don't have to ask people that difficult question. I don't have to see the sadness in people's faces when the friends don't show up. You see where I'm going with this? Because our text says a person with many companions may come to ruin. Why is that? Because they're disappointed. And they come to that level of disappointment. And there's huge disappointments because they think their friends are their friends. But you know what they really are? They're acquaintances. That's what they are. They're acquaintances. And yet it is these so-called friends, they don't come to funerals, folks. And people get ruined. They get disappointed. For the rest of our time, what I thought I'd do is kind of give you a locker room talk on friendship. I'm going to give to you, honestly, what I wish someone would have given to me in my 20s when I thought I had tons of friends and how friendship really works and why you can count on and what you can't count on. The best definition, I think, for true biblical friendship is this. True friendship is when you know and you are known. You love and are loved. In other words, folks, you don't have to pretend. You can just be who you are. You can take off the mask. You can say, this is who I am. Hook, line, sinker. And the other person says, well, this is who I am. And you're known and you're being known. And you love the person. And even though they're a little quirky and they have some weird stuff within them, you still love them no matter what. And they love your quirks. And you serve your friends. You actually think about them more than you think about yourself. And they do the same. And you celebrate them. Every time that they have a success, you're not like, oh man, I wish I would have got a promotion like he did. You're like, yes. Every time something goes well for them, you're like, way to go. I mean, friendship, folks, if you think about it, is a really big deal. So what I want to do is take us through some levels of friendship. The first one is this. Circumstantial friends. Circumstantial friends. I mean, the person who's at your workplace and you walk down the hallway, you say hi, they say hi to you. You say hi 500 times within a year. It's the person who works beside you at the gym and they pump iron and you're always there at the same time. You're like, hey, man, you're looking fit. Yeah, I know. You know? I mean, that's what people tell me. I don't, you know... Or the person that you see at the grocery store and you walk in and it's the same person and they're kind. Or the person at the fast food window, you know, the drive-thru window, and you're like, oh, yeah, 
These are all very nice people. They're friendly people. They're friendly to you. You're friendly to them. But are they truly friends? Or is it better to say that because of circumstances, that's what brought your lives together? They're circumstantial friends. I mean, the fact is, folks, I hate to break this to you, they ain't coming to your funeral. They're not. They're not coming to your funeral. Don't count on it. Now, occasionally someone will go from a circumstantial friend to a true friend. But what usually happens is this. You go to the grocery store one day and you notice that the person who waited on you is not doing that anymore. And you go by a few more times and all of a sudden you're like, where's, what was her name? You know, black hair, little bit, Mary. Oh, yeah, Mary. Where's Mary? Oh, she left. Or the person that you work out with at the same time, he goes AWOL and you're like, wonder where that guy went. Now, folks, note to self here, these kinds of friends They come and they go. They're not fake friends. You're not insincere as you develop a conversation with them. But what you have to keep in mind is that what brought you together was simply the fact that they provided a service for you. Or you worked at the same place. Or there were business connections. And when any of those circumstances change... There's a strong likelihood, folks, you're never going to see that person again. You're not. So be friendly, of course. Be friendly, but be careful that you don't put stock in that friendship or think they're going to be at your funeral because they're not going to be there. There's a guy in our small group who he and I have been doing uh, life deeply together for about eight years. Really good friend. Been there for me. I've been there for him. And... He, uh, one particular day, he goes to work, and they walk in, and they say, you need to clean everything out. You're done. Today's your last day. You're fired. He gave 13 years of his life, folks, to that place. He sacrificed time with his wife and his kids. Anytime they needed him, he was there. Anytime they ask him to do something above and beyond, he did it. If they ask him to travel for multiple weeks in a row, he did it. His life was given to that company. And one day they walk in and they're like, you're gone. And I'll never forget the small group after he got fired. And we're sitting around and we're talking about life. And he says, I lost my job and I can't believe it because I thought they were my friends. I mean, I spent more time with them than I did with my own family in the last 13 years. And what did it give me? And you know what? That company had no problem going on without him. Not at all. In fact, I asked him a month after that. I said, have any of your, you know, co-workers have any of them called and he said no there's only one person that called and that was a guy who got fired before i did and he wants a, he has a job for me and he was telling me hey i know it's tough but this job's open think about that folks 13 years they weren't his family they were just 
circumstantial friends because when the job was there, they're friends. When not, no. Now, don't misunderstand me. Circumstantial friends are important. We can and we should have a lot of friendships like that. We should be radically loving and kind to all of our circumstantial friends, whoever they are. We should pray for them. We should invite them to uh, church. We should encourage them. I get my clothes dry cleaned every once in a while. And I've got some friends at that store. And like this week, I went and I gave them some candy because they're my circumstantial friends. I like them. I hope they'll come and get closer to God. But I'm not counting on them, folks, to come to my funeral. And so if you total up all of these true friends and you think they're all coming to your funeral, you're sadly mistaken because the scripture says if you have many companions, reality is it can lead to a deep disappointment. Now let's get to something a little happier. You're like, serious, dude, it's Thanksgiving. (laughs) You've talked about death and funeral and now we got no friends, okay? So let's get a little bit better, and here it is. The second thing is seasonal friends. Now, these are great friends, right? Seasonal, true friends. Ecclesiastes 3 says this, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend. Now, some of you are like, that doesn't seem too much happier. Because the reality is, the majority of even your true friendships are actually only going to be seasonal. They're not going to be lifelong. In the early days of the jar, I had uh, invested in a guy. We connected. We got to know each other pretty well. We did life deeply together. There were a lot of things that we committed to with one another. And one day he just stopped connecting with me, wouldn't return calls, no text. And he bailed on our friendship. And he stopped attending church. And one day he actually came up and he said, I'm done, kind of done with God. I'm done with the church. I remember when he said that, I was like, joke's on me. Like the joke is on me. I would have never thought that he would walk away from our friendship. Joke's on me. I thought we would be in it for the long haul. And I remember during that time of my life, I got very disillusioned about friends. Folks, whether it's a difficult circumstance or someone moves or someone goes through a divorce and things get a little bit, you know, funky there, the reality is that every once in a while, you know what's going to happen? Is that whether you like it or not, there is going to be a reshuffling of the deck of your friends. There's going to be Friendship deck of cards that are going to be shuffled and reshuffled. It's not necessarily anyone's fault. It's just how it works. Because what did Ecclesiastes tell us? It says that there is a season for what? For everything. 
all things. I hope this is really helpful to some of you. But some of you look really depressed right now, you know? Like it's not going over very well. So I'm sorry, but the reality is, folks, every once in a while, you need a reality check, a reality shot. And I'm not minimizing how important seasonal friendships are. They can be life-giving. They can be fun. They can be filled with adventure. But at the end of the day, folks, it's still just a season. Now, some of you might take it to the next level, but for most of your seasonal friendships, folks, you're not going to get to a retirement porch where you're drinking martinis and drooling over each other, okay? It's probably not going to happen. You probably will retire with a whole different group of friends. It's possible, folks. It's possible. So there are circumstantial friends, there are seasonal friends, and then finally, there are here-to-the-end kind of friends. Here-to-the-end One of the things I'm really going to miss this winter is Southside High School basketball games. Because uh, in 1998, I got invited by a guy I was playing basketball with to go to some games. And I've gone every single year since then. And his name's Kenny, and when Kenny first invited me, he invited me to meet all of his friends. And what I found out was that these were his lifelong friends. And these guys were straight shooters. Most of them had some real colorful language. I'll never forget the first season. There were F-bombs like going off everywhere. And I, I finally, they were like, what do you do? And I'm like, a pastor. And then the guy said, well, I'll be. And then, you know. <laughs> You think I'm lying. You do, you do, don't you? It's the truth. But this is what I found out. That these guys were here to the end kind of friends. I, I never really broke into the group. They just kind of allowed me to be on the sideline. But this is what I found out. They went to school together. They grew up in the same neighborhood together. They were there for the death of their parents, kids. When they went through a divorce, they were there. When one of them had a wayward kid, they encouraged one another. They did life deeply together. And watching the friendship of Kenny and Wayne and John and Ernie and Steve over the past 15 years has been really cool for me to watch. And I started thinking to myself, do I have any here-to-the-end kind of friends? And it hit me. There are four friends in my life that I was raised with since I was a little kid. And I've been loyal to every single one of them, and they've been loyal to me. In fact, one of, one of those friends was at church this morning, and another one of our friends, he said, hey, he's going through his third divorce right now. When he went through his first divorce and he got in some trouble with the law, I gave him two grand. 
And he went through a second painful divorce. And he went through a third one now. And I told my friend this morning, I said, I hope it doesn't come to the point of his deathbed to where he finally realizes that you guys were the only friends I had. I hope he learns about the friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, maybe the most famous friendship in the Bible was between two guys, a guy by the name of David and Jonathan. Solomon, the guy who wrote Proverbs that we've been studying, Jonathan was actually uh, his, his uh, or David was actually his uh, father. And David and Jonathan, they had such a deep love for each other that they're like, we're going to hang it out together all the way to the end. And this is what they committed to, which is really cool. They said, and we will, if one of us dies young, the other one will take on the, friend, the, the kids and grandkids of the other person. And you know what happened? Jonathan died young. And David took on all of his kids and all of his grandkids, and he took care of them. It's a very huge gift from God, folks. And I know some of you because you sit in the same rooms. It's a very huge gift from God to have a here-to-the-end kind of friend. And if you have those friends, be careful with them. Make sure that you're investing within them. Make sure none of them fall off track from a relationship with God. Do whatever is within your power to let them know that you're there. They're precious. They're rare. They're their treasure. They'll be at your funeral, and you'll be at their funeral. Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Many people claim, many people claim, claims are so cheap, aren't they? Many people claim to be loyal friends, but who can find one that is truly faithful? Folks, that's what we're all looking for, isn't it? We're all looking. We're searching in this thing of life for someone who will be faithful and true all the way to the end. This doesn't happen very often, but every once in a while I'll do a funeral of someone and there'll be someone that will stand up and they'll eulogize. They'll talk about uh, the person and and I'll, I'll know in that moment that that person, like, is a here-to-the-end kind of friend. One of these happened a couple of years ago. I was doing this funeral, and this guy stands up, and he starts talking about his buddy who's in the casket. And the first half of it, he just talked about all of their drinking stories. And I'm sitting there going, really? Like, seriously? That's what we came to do, is talk about all your... Like, if I die, folks, and my funeral's tomorrow, or I die any time, and you, you're at my funeral, and some idiot stands up and says, I remember Bunch in college, man. He was like tipping them back. Kick them out. <laughs> Say you're gone. 
But this guy, he does this for the first half, but then he stops. I'll never forget this. He's standing by the casket, and he points, and he goes, But my friend, my friend would take a bullet for me. My friend, if I ever needed him in the midnight hour, he would come, and he would be there for me. Every decision I had to make, he would be there if I needed him. And then, I'll never forget this, he ended, he goes, and he pointed to him, he goes, he was like a brother to me. And the guy lost it, he started crying, just started losing it. I'm thinking, oh man, are we going to be able to help him? We kind of get him seated. And there was a piece of me that was like, ah, what a friendship. But you know what, there was another side of me that was like, how in the heck is this guy going to get through the rest of his life without his buddy? I mean, he's on his own now. To which Solomon, the wisest man in the world, in the Old Testament days, which we've been studying the last 11 weeks, he would say this to you. To that guy, he would have said it to, and he says it to all of you, that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Folks, there is an ultimate friendship waiting to be had for you. And it's this. It's a friendship with the living God. The God of the universe, the Father of Jesus Christ himself, is not some distant, cold, rule-driven, unfriendly being. But at the center of who God is, is he's all about relationships. In fact, the nature of Christianity is about relationships. Now, we have creeds in the Christian faith. They're important. We have sacraments like Communion and baptism, which we're going to celebrate later today, they're important. But what differentiates Christianity from every other world religion is that it's all about a God who extends a personal friendship to you. And he extends one to me. And and regardless of your flub-ups, your mess-ups, your screw-ups in life, He extends a friendship relationship to you. And it's not a circumstantial friendship. It's not, hey, I'm with you now, but then I'm gone. It's not a seasonal friendship where, hey, you know what? I'll give it a run for 10 years, but then I'll bolt. It's not even a here-to-the-end friendship, folks. This is the kind of friendship that goes beyond your life here on planet Earth. It lasts forever into the next reality. Folks, Christianity is not so much about a religion as it is a relationship, a friendship that God wants to have with you. It's not about jumping through a whole bunch of hoops. It's not about passing a theological exam. It's about you coming into a friendship with the God of the universe that's made possible through Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you this morning this very simple question, and it's this. Are you experiencing that kind of faith relationship in your life.
Do you have a kind of friendship with God? Where you listen to Him. And you talk with Him. And you interact. And from Sunday to Sunday, you're connecting with Him regularly. Is He a friend? A couple uh, weeks ago, I went to go pick my daughter, Jordan, up from school. It was the very first cold day, so everyone had their winter coats on. And I went to go pick her up, and I got the Dad of the Year award that day. I had no idea what color her coat was. And everyone's so cold, so they're all like bundled up, and they got their hats on and their mittens, the hoods over there. They look like these marshmallow kids, you know, all kind of walking out. And so all the parents go up to a certain area, and you wait, and we're all like freezing to death. And I'm sure all of them knew what color their kid's coat was, but I had no clue. And eventually the kids get dismissed, and they start walking out, And I can't, I don't even know who she is. But I spot her teacher, and I'm like, okay, just kind of follow that. But then all of a sudden, all these kids get around her teacher. But finally, one little kid comes up and is in a red coat, and I think we have a picture of her. And she pulls on the coat of the teacher, and she points to me, and I look... I'm like, it's a red coat. (laughs) And there's this connection, and all of a sudden, in a dead sprint, she starts running across the grass. And I start running towards her, and with her red cape on, almost like Superman, she jumps in the air, and I catch her in midair, and we have a huge bear hug. Now, here's the point, folks. You know how many kids were around the teacher that day? 25 kids are in her class. Every single one of them were around. But only one recognized me. And why did she recognize me? Because we have a relationship. We're connected. She ran toward me because she recognized who I was. You see, Jordan and I, we know each other. We hang out together. We've been through some stuff together, you know. She's only seven, but we have. We're friends. And folks, I just want to ask you, how many of you on an average day feel God reaching out to you, running toward you, just like Jordan did to me? How many of you feel God saying to you, hey, you don't have to do this day alone. We can actually do it together. We're friends. I'm here. 
And for how many of you is it natural for you throughout the course of your day to reach out and to run to God and to say, oh God, I'm so glad that I don't have to do this day alone, that I can do it with you. And I know you recognize us because we have gone through some stuff together. And we can talk to each other and we can relate to each other because through Christ it's possible to have a friendship with him. Folks, it's very powerful when that happens. And when you have kind of this emotional, relational connection with the God of the universe, it changes everything. And I really hope that it is true for some of you. Because without a friendship, without a connection with the God of the universe, Christianity is just like any other religion. It's dogma and do's and don'ts and drills and formulas and eventually... You're feeling basically on your own in this world. No one in my corner, no one who truly understands me, no one who has resources to help me, no one who desires my help. So you have to call it what it is. And spiritually speaking, you know what that kind of life is? It's friendless. You're like an orphan in this world. You're on your own. And I wonder if any of you feel that this morning. Solomon, the greatest guy in the world, the smartest man in the world, writes a very beautiful text that he says that's available to everybody. And what's he say that is available? He says there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend who's not going to move away. A friend who's not just seasonal and whenever something changes, they're out. A friend who's not even going to be in a box one day. Solomon said, I present to you the God of the universe, the friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I'm asking you this morning, are you experiencing that type of friendship with God in your life? Today there are 12 people who are getting baptized, who are saying basically, you know what, I just kind of like all my friends, but I've just given up on any of them really being a friend that sticks closer than a brother than one. And so they made a commitment to Christ. And what we asked them to do was to think of a word of what their life was like before they came to Christ. One word. And then one word, what their life has been like since they've become a friend of God's. So I'd like you to look at the side screens. We'll turn the lights off and look at this video. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. You know that's not your name. You will always be much more to me. And every day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right. But that's
folks, that's why I financially give of my resources to this church is because of changed lives like that. And the reality is some of you may not know any of those people, but there are some people in this place, they know them and they've seen the change. And I was just thinking on this Thanksgiving Sunday that the gifts that we give to God this morning that in a real way that they could be thankful for the life and friendship that he's given to each one of you and the resources that we get to use to care for others so I'd invite our uh, greeters to come forward and uh, we'll receive our offering this morning and we'll receive it as a, a gift of thanksgiving and friendship of what God has given to us. Let's pray. God, I allow your Holy Spirit right now to work within people's lives. That just as you worked in these 12 people's lives, God, that you will continue to work in the life of each giver today. That today we actually give a gift of thanksgiving for the friendship that we have in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
going to invite our prayer team to come up. So uh, prayer team, come on up. If you'd like prayer for anything, these people would love to pray with you. And uh, each night, my uh, family, uh, when we put our two girls to bed, uh, we always sing to them the uh, first song, actually, I ever learned, Jesus Loves Me. And my oldest daughter, Jordan, she's been struggling with school anxiety for uh, several weeks. She'll... uh, go to bed at night and she'll be fearful there'll be tears I don't know if I can go to school daddy she'll wake up in the morning and she'll be filled with anxiety dad do you think I can do it I say yeah you can do it Jordan and one night she was so anxious that I said when dad sings Jesus loves you I want you to imagine that Jesus is like actually right there loving you. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that his hands are right around you, giving you a hug and loving you. She's like, okay, Dad, I'll do it. And by the time I got to the end of the song, the anxiety and the stress went just to this peace. And she was fast asleep. And you know why? she was singing a song about a friend that sticks closer than even a father. And I went to bed that night and I thought, man, God, wouldn't it be great like if adults had a song like this? Like when we're anxious, when we're afraid, when we're Discouraged when we're depressed, when we're overwhelmed, when we're underwhelmed, that there would be a song that we could sing and that we would sense that there is one who sticks closer than a brother. And then one morning I woke up and I was anxious. Some stuff's going on in my life and I'm just kind of looking through my smartphone to try to find something and I put in Jesus Loves Me and this song came up by a guy by the name of Chris Tomlin who uh, wrote this song for adults to take us back to that moment where Jesus would really love us. And I just want to say today, if you're sitting there right now, I would not leave from this place unless I knew that I had a friendship with God and these people would love to pray with you. And for some of you, you're here today, and honestly, if you had to take an honest look, you've been drifting away. And your best friend is never walked away and he'll stick closer than a brother and he says, come to me. And so as we sing this closing song, I want you to imagine that, just like I told Jordan, that these words are to you. That Jesus loves you.
we're just so thankful that no matter where we are in life, God, you're for us and you love us and you would do anything for us, God. And we're just so thankful that uh, this morning, we just want to give you so much praise and thanks just for who you are. Um, And God, just to thank you for not only the love that you've given us so far, but what you'll continue to give so freely. We're just so thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 